So I don't think there was an appropriate enough level of excitement for Skateville, so I just want to, like, um, we're renting out Skateville. Like, it's all us. Like, this is a homestead Skateville party. And I'm... <laughs> and I am already working on the playlist for the music. And if you're wondering if you can suggest songs, no, you can't, because I, I have the playlist covered. Um, thanks for being here today. We are excited that we've got all these things going on. Really, I encourage you to take some time as a family and add the competition incentive to just memorize a few verses of Scripture. What a great passage in Ephesians chapter 1. We want to do that. Um, we are continuing our series called The Altar. Last week, we started part one. If you are just joining us or you, had, you weren't here last week, we are taking four weeks telling four different stories of altars in Scripture, time where people came to an altar and uh, made a commitment at an altar, made a sacrifice or a dedication at an altar. And this is what it means to have an altar. So we're going to dive in today in a story found in Genesis chapter 22, pretty well-known story about a sacrifice uh, offered at an altar, Genesis chapter 22. If you want to follow along, there should be some Bibles at the ends of your pews. The black hardcover ones are going to be the same translation I'm reading out of, um, but we're going to get there. So you can turn there in just a minute. So as we start today, a couple of weeks ago, actually Dennis, who is here, he took uh, myself and two of my kids ice fishing. Now, I have been ice fishing before, but my kids had never been ice fishing. And so we said, well, it was a beautiful day. It was one of those very warm, sunny Saturdays. So it wasn't the true Minnesota experience, hunkered down, freezing. We actually had a, had a great time. We were warm. We were sitting out in the sun. It was beautiful. But my, my daughter, Dottie, she kind of knew, you know, she knew what ice fishing was. We're going to drill a hole in the ice, and we're going to take some fish out. That was kind of how her, her brain worked. And so we were driving there, and then she started putting the pieces together. She said, well, how do we get out on the ice? I said, well, we're going to drive out on the ice. And she said, we're going to drive our car on the ice? Isn't it going to fall through? And I said, no, the ice is very thick, and it will support. And she just was very nervous about the ice, the idea of thin ice, and she was nervous about it. And so when we finally pulled up to the lake, we were behind Dennis in his truck, so that helped because she saw, okay, that truck is fine, so maybe our truck will be fine. And then she looked out and saw all the ice houses, and she saw all the other trucks, and she said, okay. She started, okay, it, the, the ice is holding those trucks, so we'll be okay. And then she was turned into reassuring, Dad, we'll be, we'll be fine on the ice. It's going to be okay. I think more of just a way of, of talking her up. It was this idea that there was uncertainty there until she knew that that ice had been tested. She wanted to know that somebody had been out on that ice. Now, for me growing up, I didn't do a lot of ice fishing. I did more playing outdoor hockey. So we would go to a pond or a, a lake, and we would find a spot, and we'd shovel it off, or there would be a rink out on a lake, and we would go out there. Now, early in the season, it was always the same question. Well, is the ice thick enough for us to go out there and play? And so the same thing would happen. We need somebody to test the ice. Actually, they said, we need a way to test the ice, and it turned into find the smallest kid first, and push him out on the ice. And that was always me. So it was like, okay, Kerr, you go out there, see if the ice is thick, and I'd skate around. And if it was times where you'd hear a lot of cracks, and we'd be like, ah, we might need to wait. But mostly it would, most of the time it would be, hey, it's safe. Send out the next biggest kid. Okay, let's try it with the next one. We wanted to test, we wanted to test the ice. We wanted to make sure it was sound. Now, um, this idea of testing 
goes into any product we have. If you've ever been certainly in a situation where you have been in some sort of a safety harness or some sort of safety device, you want to know that that thing's going to hold you. You Has this thing been tested? Has this thing, is this thing safe? Um, You want to know any product you have. Has this thing gone through some tests so we know it's safe? We recently, for the church and the kids department, bought a, a new laptop, and I bought a refurbished laptop from the Apple store. And, uh, and it said, gone through rigorous testing so that we know this thing's going to work. All the parts work. Everything has been tested. Well, we're looking at a story in Genesis chapter 22 about Abraham. And the story starts out with these words. And then God decided to test Abraham. And then God decided to test Abraham. And I was thinking about that this week, how that you know, is in comparison to testing out the ice or testing out any product. We want to know if it's going to stand up. And so we see that, the, that God decided to test Abraham, and it seems the same principle applies to our relationship to God. He wants us to grow, and he wants us to mature in our faith, and so there are times when he decides to put us through a test. Those are not the funnest times in following the Lord. If you've ever gone through a really difficult season and you feel like, wow, this is really testing my faith. Maybe you say that to your kids. Kids, you're testing my faith today. You know, It's that diff- those difficult times where God allows us to go through something so that he's going to find out. Just like I found out about the thin ice, just how Dottie found out about the ice with the trucks on it. God wants us to go through a test so he can find out, is he ready? Is she ready? Is she growing? Is he growing? Are they maturing? Is their faith getting strong? Are they growing in love and patience? God is looking at each of us saying, are they growing in love and patience? And like a, like a teacher, sometimes he's like, okay, pop quiz. <laughs> you know, here comes a test. Pop quiz, Jeff. Let's see how you're doing with patience. So for me, it's always going up to a roundabout and somebody stopping at the roundabout when they don't need to stop. They can just keep going. But that's God's pop quiz for me. Let's see how Jeff's doing on his patience. Here, car, stop in front of him. Oh, no, Jeff failed that patience test. He's still got some work to do, so we're going to keep testing him. So which is why I think I'm to blame for all the people stopping in roundabouts because God is allowing that test to keep coming up in my life. Maybe some of you two weeks ago watching the Vikings fail miserably at the NFC Championship game. Matt, maybe that was a test from God. Let's see how they're doing with their temper. Okay, Vikings, you play terribly, and let's see how the Minnesotans do. Oh, no, there was still some language problems and throwing things, some anger issues. Actually, maybe... Maybe the Vikings are a continual test for us, right? Maybe the problem is that some of you have not passed the test, and that's why the Vikings keep losing. And so it's on you to pass this test so we can go to the Super Bowl sometime. We're going to look at this test. Now, this is a test from God to Abraham that is kind of a haunting story for me because I have a hard time putting myself in that position and coming up with Abraham's response. And if you know the story, you, you can relate. We're going to look at this story in Genesis chapter 22, starting out at verse 1. It starts with those words. Genesis 22 verse 1 says this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied, and here comes the test. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, And go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. This is a a serious test. This is a final exam kind of test, right? This is a serious test 
where God puts this in front of Abraham. Here's a test of your faith. Do you trust me? Will you be devoted to me? In this moment of setting up an altar, will you be devoted and offer your son as a sacrifice to me? Now, real quick, the Bible also says through, um, that God does not tempt us. So there's a difference between tempting and testing. Real quick, there's a distinction there. God brings testing into us, but God does not tempt us. Temptation is pulling us away from God towards sin, towards the world, towards our flesh. God doesn't do that. God doesn't want to bring anything to us that's going to pull us away and entice us to sin. God doesn't send those temptations to you. But God will allow testing to come into your life. God will bring testing. There are times when God allows things which are difficult in the interest of strengthening us, in the interest of stretching us and causing us to grow, causing perseverance. There's only so much growth that can come in smooth seasons, in smooth sailing. If your exercise regimen only involves things that you are comfortable with and that are easy, there's no more growth that's going to come. If you are training for the Olympics that are coming up in a couple of weeks and your training regimen only involves that which is comfortable and easy, you're going to plateau in your growth. God brings us times of testing and stretching for us to grow. And God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son on the altar. Now, not that that isn't difficult enough. But if you know the story of Abraham and his wife Sarah, you know that God came to him, and you can read this in the chapters before, leading up to chapter 22. God came to Abraham and said, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have a son, and your offspring, the generations that follow, are going to grow into a great nation, what would become the nation of Israel. And it's going to start with you, Abraham, and this relationship with God started with Abraham, this covenant relationship. I'm going to be your God, and your descendants are going to be my people. But the problem was Abraham and Sarah were super old, and they didn't have kids. So the idea of them giving birth to a child was they laughed. It was laughable. But yet God said, trust me, and they trusted him, and they took matters into their own hands once, as we all tend to do with promises from God. God is taking too long, and God doesn't, hasn't figured this out. So Abraham and Sarah come up with a plan, and Sarah says, Abraham, just go sleep with our servant, Hagar, and then we will have, an, uh, have a child through her. And a son is born named Ishmael. But that doesn't go well, and that's a whole other story. But finally, miracles happen. And Abraham and Sarah, at the age of 100, over 100 years old, they have a son, Isaac. So this son of theirs, Isaac, is not only just a son that we, you know, any son that we would love, but this is a fulfillment of God's promise. This is God saying, I'm going to bless you and you're going to have a son. Miraculously, this is God's miraculous promise. And now, and now God is saying, Okay, this son that I promised you, that miraculously I gave you, now I want you to offer him back as a sacrifice. And when I put myself in that situation, I think, oh, man, I don't know what my, my situation would be, and then, or what my response would be. But then I, I read that, and when God says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, it kind of feels like God's being a little bit redundant. Take your son, and sacrifice him. That would have been enough. Oh, no. But it's take your son, whom you love. I know. I know I love him. He's your only son, God is reminding. Remember, he's your only son. I know he's my only son. After all we've been through, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Yes, I know who you're talking about. And offer him on an altar. There are times 
when discipleship, when following Jesus is difficult. It's difficult. There are times where there are trials and tests, difficult seasons which cause our faith to mature. There is pruning which causes fruit. There are times when old things are removed which causes new growth. And there are times when God asks us to sacrifice something, to remove something, to give something away so that he can see, are they ready? Are they growing? Are they strong enough? Are they ready for what I have for them? I have plans for them, but I want to put them through some tests so I know if they are ready. Is their faith strong? Are they ready? Let's see how they do with this test. God puts us through times of testing. Real quick, this word for test is the same word in another very well-known story, David and Goliath. When David is getting ready to go fight Goliath, and the, and the king puts his armor on David, and David says, I don't want to use this armor. And he says, because it hasn't been tested yet. It hasn't been tested yet. What David is saying is, I don't know if this armor is going to hold up. When it gets into battle, when I need it the most, when, when stakes are high, is this armor going to hold up? It hasn't even been tested yet, so I don't want to use it. And that's the same word that is translated to testing in this story. I'm going to test Abraham because I want to see if he's going to hold up. I want to see where his level of strength is. When the stakes are high, he's going to be the father of an entire nation. When the stakes are high, I want to know where his faith is. And so we learn that God views people, us, in that way. Are they going to hold up under pressure? He's looking at you and he's saying, okay, new Christian, old Christian, Where's their faith at? Are they going to hold up? And we know that God's heart is love. God's heart is love. So much like our love as parents when we look at our children and we say, okay, I want them to grow. I want them to mature. It's hard as parents at times, but it's so important for us to let our kids go through hard things and manage it and learn to do this so that they can be strengthened. There are times when God does the same for us and his heart is love. His heart is for our benefit, for our good. He wants us to grow, right? He wants us to grow and he allows testing. I wanna use him, I wanna use her, I wanna use them for great things. Where are they at? Are they ready? And so I don't know about you today, hopefully it's the case, but I wanna pass those tests, right? Amen to that? I wanna pass those tests so that God says yes, He's growing. All that I have for him, he's ready. He's mature. He's growing. I want to pass God's test. So how do we do that? How do we pass God's testing or those times of testing and trials? And so for the rest of the morning, this, this message this morning, I want to look at that. As we look at the rest of the story, it continues on in verse 3 of Genesis 22. So this is following up when God has given this um, task this test to Abraham. Verse 3 says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. A three, so we're going to stop there. A three-day journey. But notice that Abraham didn't delay. I think one of the things that comes when God is putting a challenge or asking us to make a sacrifice is don't delay, don't put it off. But Abraham obeyed right away, early the next morning. Early the next morning. It was quick obedience. And I also think there was an element of, I have to get out of here before my wife wakes up and finds out what I'm about to do. Because, I mean, imagine just that whole side of the story. Imagine, he's probably already playing that out. I'm going to go and I'm going to be obedient to God and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to have to explain this to Sarah 
and I'm not sure how that's going to go. But it was quick obedience. He loaded up, he set out on this journey, and after three days, they got to the place where God had directed them. Verse 5, it continues on. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And then he carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went on together. So many things in those verses. But what stands out to me is the word worship. So they got to the place. Abraham says to his servants, um, stay here. The boy and I, we're going to go over there, and we're going to worship. We're going to worship. Now, when we think worship, we think the time where we come in this morning and we sing some songs. But this idea of worship, this word that translates into worship, it is, this, it is very much a the same meaning as what Abraham is going through, to lay down, to surrender, to bow down, to humble yourself. This, this word worship is translated in the original Hebrew to bow down, to humble yourself. And other explanations would say to lay your life down or to lay your life down on an altar. Worship is a sacrifice. Worship is a sacrifice. So when we come in on a Sunday morning and do what we did this morning and sing songs, I want us to remember that. In just a quick moment here, just thinking, when I come in and we're singing the songs, it's not just singing. It's not just learning a new song, but it's that idea of, okay, I'm reminded once again, God, this is about you. I humble myself. I lay my life down, and it is about you. What we do in a Sunday morning during the worship time is where we remind our hearts to put God first. We remind our hearts to put God first, to humble ourselves and surrender to him. This is what we're doing when we raise up our hands. We're saying, I surrender to you. Maybe you're wondering why a few people in church raise up their hands. It's just a symbolic act of, I'm surrendering to you. Everything I have, I am offering you. I humble myself to you for your glory and your worship. So when Abraham makes that reply, when he says, servants, stay here, the boy and I, are we are going to worship, what he is saying is, my son and I, we're going to go and we're going to put God first. We're going to go over there and we're going to put God first. And Abraham knows what's about to happen, but he is still faithful and obedient. And we say, we're going to offer this as an act of worship because God is first. And this time it will be a literal laying a life down on the altar of worship. Verse 7, the story continues. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. Of course, Isaac's figuring this out. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Isaac's figuring this out. He's like, okay, dad, I see all the stuff except the important thing. I imagine the servants... Um, when Abraham said, stay here, we're going to go over and worship, the servants were probably like, after they left, kind of rolling their eyes. Abraham forgot the, the, the lamb again. You know, it's like when I leave the house in the morning, I'm sure Christy has those moments. She'll call me sometimes and be like, you forgot your wallet, you forgot your cell phone, and your backpack. Like, what did you leave with? Because you left all the important things here. I imagine the servants were probably thinking, there they go again. He's so, you know, he's getting old. He's forgetting the sacrifice again. But Isaac recognizes this. Father, the lamb is not here. The sacrifice is not here. And Abraham's response is, God will provide. Now, obviously, this is 
what I would say is brilliant foreshadowing for thousands of years later when God would provide a son, his only son, Jesus, whom he loved as a sacrifice for us. Obviously, the, the connections there are there. Um, but what did Abraham mean when he said God's going to provide? Scholars have a lot of different explanations for this or opinions on this. First one is that Abraham probably thought, you know what? God provided a son once, he can do it again. If I have to offer my son as a sacrifice, God can do it again and provide another son. A lot of scholars say Abraham had faith in his God that he could raise Isaac from the dead, that this sacrifice would be made. And they, they point to the fact that Abraham said to his servants, we are going to go over there and worship, and we are going to return. He was somehow planning on his son coming back with him. So I think Abraham probably thought, I'm going to offer this sacrifice, and God's going to raise him from the dead. But whatever... Abraham was thinking, um, his response was obedience and trust. His, his response was, I trust God. He's going to provide. It might be in this way, it might be in this way. I don't know how God's going to provide, but I know that God will provide. It's who he is. This is a lesson for us. I don't know how God's going to provide. I don't know how he's going to show up. I don't know how he's going to minister in the situations that each of us are facing, these seasons of trials that we are going through. But we can, like Abraham, confidently say, my God is the God who provides. I don't see it. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know which way it's going to come. And it might be one of these ways that I think are possibilities or something totally out of left field that I never thought of. But I know God will provide. And my response is not figuring out how he's going to do it. My response is humbling myself and laying my life on the altar and saying, God, you are first. The story continues in verse 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand, and if this is like a movie, this is where the music's getting really suspenseful, and the camera zooms in on the knife. And then he reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it and burnt, as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. We see Abraham's obedience. I imagine in that moment with the knife raised, I mean, put yourself in that situation and you hear the angel of God say, hey, hey, don't, don't, don't. I now know that you were going to go through with it. Don't lay a hand on the boy. And Abraham went, oh, <laughs> thank you. But he built an altar and he laid the life on the altar and his response was obedience and commitment. The altar, in this series we're talking about this, the altar is a place of commitment to God, of dedication and of sacrifice, where we say, God, you are first. God, you are all I need. And obedience and trust is how I'm going to live. You are everything I need. And this time of sacrifice might involve 
a not-so-happy ending right now, but I trust that you are in it, and you're going to provide. And I still have you, God, and you are all I need. Even if God asks us to give up something, a sacrifice, when God puts a, a test in front of us, we can say, God, and this is where we have to get, we say, God, I still have you, and you are all I need. You are all I need. That is what we need to get to in our faith. God, I have you, and you are all that I need. And we see that God provided, and Abraham passed the test. And this is what faith is. When you can't see it, you trust it. And there's going to be times when God is going to lead us down a road where we feel that we're getting right onto the edge of something like, God, this is about to completely fall apart. Financially, I can't make that commitment or that sacrifice. Or this thing that you're asking me to give up, or this step of faith you're asking me to do, and you take that, you're about to take that step, and you're like, There's nothing there. You feel like Indiana Jones kind of stepping off the the cliff, and there's nothing there. But it's that faith, that step of faith, where God says, I've got this. I've got this. And we take that step of faith knowing God's going to provide, and I have him, and no matter the outcome, God is enough. And that is how we pass these moments of testing. And it's not easy. And if you've walked through a season like that, you know it's not easy. Some of you are walking through a season right now where it's difficult and you don't see how God is providing. You're in the midst of that moment where you're like, I don't see how the outcome is going to be good. But we have obedience and we have trust and it's not easy. But as a father wants his kids to grow, God leads us through these times with a heart of love saying, I want you to grow. I want you to be strong in your faith, mature in your faith, and trust me completely. So how are you going to handle it? talking about us today, applying this story. How are you going to handle it when there's a test in front of you, when there's a trial in front of you, a step of faith, a sacrifice that God is asking you to make on an altar? Are you going to throw up your hands? Are you going to blame other people? Are you going to quit? Are you going to then kind of point fingers at other people? I can't do, I'm not doing this. Blame others. Justify. Are you going to justify your own behavior? God's asking you to give up something and you refuse and you're going to constantly be blaming other people. Maybe God's asking you to give up a pattern of sin or a bad habit or something in your life that is just causing hurt and pain, not only for you but for those around you. Are you going to just say, no way, I'm not doing that? Justify your behavior? In a time of trial, are you going to then turn the finger towards God and say, I don't trust you now? an accusing, pointing finger of just saying, how can you be a good God and allow this to happen to me? That happens a lot. When people go through difficult times, they turn around and they point at God and they say, this is your fault. This is your fault. You're supposed to be a good God. And now I'm going through this. And instead, God wants us to say, I trust you in this. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I am obedient and I will trust and I will trust that you will provide. There's a great verse in Hebrews chapter 12 that talks about this enduring trials as God's children. Hebrews 12, verse 7 and 8 says this. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You are not true sons and daughters at all. Wow, those are hard words. But what that says is God's children are going to go through times of trial and testing. God is treating you like his children. He wants you to grow. We will face tests of our faith. And I want our response to be, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the God first thing, whatever the outcome. I'm going to offer every part of my life as worship, as a sacrifice to God. 
and it might be a financial sacrifice. Maybe God's asking you to give something to somebody or give something away. It might be certain relationships, friendships, acquaintances that you have that you know are not healthy. And God might be saying, it's time to distance yourself, to put up some boundaries there. Those coworkers at work, they're not good influences on you. Those friends that you're hanging out with at school, high school, middle school, they're not good influences on you. And maybe God, in those moments when you are praying, God is saying, you might want to lay those down, move on from those. And you're saying, how can that be? Then I won't, I won't have any friends, or I'm going to have consequences at work if I stand up and do the right thing. And God is saying, trust me, I'm going to provide. You do the God first thing, and I will provide. If you lose friends, if you don't get a promotion at work, if you lose your job or whatever it is, and you say, God, I put you first, so I'm trusting that you're going to provide. And he will. And he will. In our culture today, and we've seen this on the news, if you've been watching the news, it's all, there's so many scandals going on, but really the one about the U.S. gymnastics team and the sexual abuse that took place, that sto- those stories are haunting in and of themselves. But what is discouraging to hear is more and more the people that it gets uncovered that, oh, this person knew about it a year ago. This person knew about it two years ago. And you hear the reasons that they they didn't want to come out and do the right thing. Well, maybe they were worried about losing their job or the ramifications or how would it affect this institution or the trouble it would cause or whatever the reason. And this applies to so many situations. The right thing to do, the right thing to do, you think, ah, there's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences. I might get in trouble. I might get shunned by friends. I might lose a promotion, all those things. And yet that's the real-life application of this Abraham and Isaac story of saying, I got to do the God first thing. I got to do the God first thing and do the right thing. And consequences are going to come. And But we say God's going to provide. And it might be consequences that involve so many things, but we say, God, you're going to provide, and I'm going to put you first in these decisions, and I will trust that you will lead me through, and I will come through stronger, mature in my faith. We will come through that you will be glorified, that the right thing, the God first thing has been done. And so anytime we're thinking about, uh, I'm going to cover that up, I don't want people to know about that, or deflecting, it's really not their fault, or denying it, well, I didn't really know, you know. All those things are out of self-preservation. And when we put God first, it is a dying to self and putting him first, and that's what we want to do. It is always put God first in every decision. So today, in the midst of tough decisions, in the midst of hopeless situations, facing difficult situations, whatever you're facing, Maybe it's a dream that you have had. Maybe like Abraham, it's a dream that you think God has put on your heart and that God is providing for. And you're like, what is, way, what is taking so long? Or God, you're asking me to lay this down. I thought this was from you. Or maybe it's whatever it is, God might be asking you to lay that at an altar. And it's easy to feel frantic and lost. But build an altar. Take a moment and focus on God. Focus on Jesus. Put him first in every decision, no matter what the sacrifice, and trust him to provide. Let's pray together. So let's take a minute, and let's just do that. And it might be, you know, this concept might be new to you, but in your heart, in your mind right now, just imagine an altar there, just a place where you lay things down. And let's just take a moment and ask God, what do you want us, is there something that you want us to lay down? Is there something that you want us to sacrifice? Is there a step of faith you're asking to take?
And let's just have a moment of commitment. The altar is a place of commitment. So let's have a moment of commitment. Say, God, I want to put you first. This decision that is weighing on me, this step that I need to take that is weighing on me, this battle that I'm going through that is weighing on me, I want to put you first. I want to do the God first thing, and I trust you, and I trust you. So whatever you're carrying around, lay that at the altar and just allow God to take that to provide for you. Just make that commitment, that dedication. So, Lord, we offer our hearts to you. This amazing story of Abraham's faithfulness, we want to be faithful as well. We want to be faithful followers of you. Times when there's a test or a trial that comes up, we want to pass it. We want to grow because we want you to look at us and say they're growing, they're strong. All the things that you have for us, all the things that you want to do through us, you can say they're ready, they're ready. We can open that door. We can call them to take this step of faith, to start this, to do this. They're ready. We want to be faithful followers of you. So help us to pass those tests, to put you first in everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.